Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. It is Thursday, and we are so glad you are with us for the Three Martini Lunch. We've got your stool ready for you, and we actually have a good martini. Not a partial good martini that turned really crazy <laughs> like the NASCAR situation yesterday, but uh, we actually have a, a good martini. It's a little bit cynical, but it's still a fully good martini. Uh, good, bad, and crazy today. So let's start with uh, the good. This is from the Washington Times, but they got it from the Associated Press. A collection of Seattle businesses, property owners, and residents sued the city Wednesday over its tolerance of an occupied protest zone, saying officials have been complicit in depriving them of their rights to their property. The plaintiffs, including a tattoo parlor, auto repair shop, and property management firm, emphasized in the lawsuit that they were not trying to undermine the anti-police brutality or Black Lives Matter messaging of the Capitol Hill occupied protest. Quote, rather, this lawsuit is about the constitutional and other legal rights of plaintiffs, businesses, employees, and residents in and around CHOP, which have been overrun by the city of Seattle's unprecedented decision to abandon and close off an entire city neighborhood, leaving it unchecked by the police, unserved by fire and emergency health services, and inaccessible to the public at large. The city says it hasn't seen it yet, Rob, but uh, it's, uh, it's going to take a look at it. Rob, Rob Long of uh, National Review and uh, Ricochet, co-host of the Glob Podcast and for Jim Garrity today. And so, uh, Rob, good for them. I mean, I kind of wish we would have seen this like on day two, but the city doesn't seem too interested in really responding to these business owners. But, uh, you know, well, they, ha- they have a-, a case, right? I mean, they Absolutely. do have a case. They've, they, I mean, if, if, even if it's for, um, you know, dereliction of duty or non-performance of services, they, they are paying for safe streets. That is something that we pay for. And they have not gotten, I, I love two things. One, I love the, the businesses themselves, tattoo parlor, auto repair shop, and property management firm. <laughs> There's only one there that's really considered universally a villain, and that's the property management firm. <laughs> but you just get a sense of that. First of all, you get a sense of the neighborhood, but also you get a sense that these are like, you know, there's no, uh, I've never met or heard of a millionaire tattoo parlor owner or a millionaire auto repair shop owner. These are small businesses and they're the ones that are getting hurt. Other thing that's funny is they, not funny, but interesting. They, they felt the need to weasel word it. Like, hey, to be sure, uh, we're not trying to undermine, you know, the message of Black Lives Matter. In the, even in the English, there's something interesting because you, in, they, they, uh, the, in the article, it says they, they're not trying to undermine the anti-police brutality. And they have to put hyphens between anti-police and police and brutality. So we don't say they're not trying to undermine the anti-police brutality, the brutality <laughs> of the people in the thing. They have to make sure, no, no, we understand it's anti-police brutality. We're against police brutality. Not, we're, not, we're not against people who are anti-police. All of that stuff is just the, the, the verbal and, and in many ways, sometimes moral knots people have tied themselves up in simply because they feel uncomfortable saying a simple thing, which is the streets should be safe. And that's what the police are supposed to do. And when you have a bunch of people declaring an autonomous zone in the streets, you have ceded your not authority so much, but you have, you've quit on the job, which is what all those Seattle politicians have done. They have simply stopped performing services. They should be sued not only for whatever that phrase is, for like interrupting their business, but they should be sued and be fired. Like if you don't, you know, if Donald Trump doesn't show up 
I mean, first of all, if he doesn't show up to the Oval Office, he'd pull numbers probably go up. But if he doesn't show up, he can be, you know, there's a, there's a constitutional way to remove him from office. Like the, if the mayor ceases to be the mayor of Seattle in any meaningful way, in the, simply, the simplest, most meaningful way, then he should be removed. And these, this lawsuit is the beginning of what I hope is the beginning of an actual conversation about that. And it also goes to a larger issue that is coming with all of these demands for radical change. Uh, Bill de Blasio talked about it last week and other people have talked about it. There's clearly an effort here to dismantle the notion of private property, which is one of the key parts of a free society, obviously. But Jenny Durkin clearly doesn't have any concerns about private property. We'll see how the city responds to the lawsuit. But you got far left folks like de Blasio doing the same thing. I don't right. think this is an accident. These people are on message. As crazy as they are, they're consistently on message. And, and there's a reason for it. Some of them are actually communists, which used to be something right. that people would say, well, I'm not really a communist. That's a slur. But now they're like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely a communist. That's true. But also the argument in a civil society against what happened to George Floyd is that we deprived him of his liberty. The police deprived him of his freedom. The argument against slavery is that, among other things, that it's a taking. It's a taking of labor. It's a taking of your freedom. It's, it, it's, it's anti-capitalist. It's, it completely eradicates any notion of private property or the right individual citizens have to have private property. So the idea that the remedy for all those ills and evils is to somehow violate people's rights even more and violate private property and the principles of, of individual liberty even more seems incredibly insane, except that what we're really looking at is a power grab. They're not against people imposing power on other people. They're really not even against people, an authoritarian regime uh, cracking down on political enemies. They're just arguing that they should be the authoritarian regime. They should be the dictators in charge. Um, and that's something that we've been seeing, you know, it's like, what is it from Animal Farm? You know, all animals are equal. Some are more equal than others. That's, this is, we're now, we're, we're so quick. We're, the cycles are so fast now, Greg. We're actually in that phase. We're in the phase of the perversion of the revolution. Uh, man, and it's not even July yet. Well, yeah, just yesterday we had a lot of folks on the left talking about how great the French Revolution was. So kudos <laughs> yeah. to American education. Yeah. and Proven uh, model. It's a proven model. It's never been tried yet. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Get your guillotines ready in your backyard, right. I guess. Durkin now says she's going to unwind, although she's taking her sweet time. She's going to unwind this uh, Chaz or Chop, whatever you want to call it, this autonomous zone, which of course is still getting utilities and everything else, uh, because there have been a bunch of shootings and one person died. You've got radicals on the city council saying that it's actually far right people that are responsible for the violence. But uh, after just two weeks, Rob, it appears that uh, Chaz has not worked, but I'm sure the explanation will be that true Chaz has never really been tried. <laughs> true Chaz has never been tried. You know, they, they have a certain kind of, uh, you can't say this now, but in Sweden, they have a Chaz. It'll always be, at some point, I mean, in two weeks, we'll be nostalgic for Chaz. That's how fast these things spin and turn. What Chaz needs is a Chavez, is what it needs. It needs a strongman. Um, and it'll be perverted in a few more weeks. But I, I hope a strongman emerges before the mayor of Seattle takes care of this, because I, I feel like we want to see the full six-act play that's unfolding. We don't want to, I don't want to leave during intermission. I want it all to happen. 
There was one guy in the first few days there that was kind of calling the shots and uh, acting like yeah. he was in charge. I don't know how that ended up turning out. I haven't heard much about that lately. But uh, if anybody's a Walking Dead fan, that's what we're looking at here, or, or Mad Max, right? We're looking at the, the farcical version of that, but it's still the same pattern. It's the same pattern. It's, we don't want, you know, we don't want the gro- no more grown ups. Grown ups are evil. Then suddenly, well, I'm, I got to be the grown up too. Like, well, you're too powerful to be a grown up. And then suddenly they're going to have to call the grown ups in because it's going to all fall apart. I mean, this is, it's not Burning Man, it's, it's Walking Dead. All right, Rob, let's move to our bad martini now. And yesterday was a pretty good day for the Trump administration on one front. Uh, the DC Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ordered the lower court to end the case against Michael Flynn due to the Justice Department's refusal to prosecute that case. I'm not sure exactly how the district court judge, Judge Sullivan, is planning to respond to that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like that decision. But we also found out from newly uncovered notes from former FBI official Peter Strzok that both Barack Obama and Joe Biden were directly, at least in the know, if not uh, calling different aspects of the Trump investigation, specifically this January 5th, 2017 meeting. So after the election, but a couple of weeks before the Trump inauguration, that uh, is pretty clear that they knew exactly what was going on. So Biden's suggestions to the contrary in relatively recent interviews uh, is absolutely not right. So Strzok's notes, believed to be of January 2017, reveal that former President Obama, James Comey, Sally Yates, Joe Biden, and apparently Susan Rice discussed the transcripts of Flynn's calls with the Russian ambassador at the time during the transition and how to proceed against him. This is according to Sidney Powell, the lawyer for uh, Michael Flynn. Mr. Obama himself directed that, quote, the right people investigate General Flynn. And I'm pretty sure that's how we got to the White House interview just a few days after inauguration. Uh, She added, quote, this caused former FBI Director Comey to acknowledge the obvious. General Flynn's phone calls with Ambassador Kislyak appear legit. Powell also wrote that according to the notes, it appears that Vice President Biden personally raised the idea of the Logan Act. That became an admitted pretext to investigate General Flynn, she said. And so Mm -hmm. this obviously puts Joe Biden into the mix. I'm sure the media has little interest in this investigation anymore now that it's kind of aimed in the opposite direction, Rob. But uh, we're getting more and more to the bottom of this. We don't know what John Durham's going to come up with or when he's going to come up with it. But uh, what's your reaction to this type of uh, coordination? Oh, Greg, can't we all just move on? Can't we move? That's what we're going to hear. Like, can we move on from this? Why are we so upset? That's what the left is going to say now. It's time to move on. It's time to talk about COVID. Can we talk about COVID? Um, because, of course, it blew up in their face. And you, you, always know when, you always know when you're starting to hit a target because it's time now. Now it's time to move on. We spent three years uh, talking about, not, you know, if the Department of Interior issued new regulations for the font to be used in National Park parking signage there would be included in that a paragraph about the russian uh, investigation how putin figured in for two years two to half solid years and now suddenly we want to get over it uh, look a couple of things are interesting to me but, but but the one most interesting thing is the gloss on what was said we knew about that oval office meeting we knew that they had had that already but what we were told was that president of the united states made it very clear that he wanted it done by the book 
And that was the phrase we kept hearing, buy the book. That's what, that's what Obama said. It, it's so indelible to me that I think even in my head, I feel like I, I, I can imagine that scene, even in, with Obama's voice, you know, buy the book, got to be. And I, you know, I imagine maybe he winked a little bit, but now we know he didn't say buy the book. He said, let's have the right people on it, which is not even close to the same thing. I mean, it is a, there's a possible version of the right people on it that means the right good people, the right by the book people. But no one said, there's no, no phrase by the book in any of the notes, and certainly any of the notes that I read about. So it's, it's all, we can see already that there was a, uh, a fairly brazen political conversation, partisan political conversation in the White House about this, and which they, like the press, just thought it was, you know, the whole thing the reporters say when a story is too good to check. Like, yeah, you know what? I should probably double check this story before I run it, but it's so good, I'm going to run it anyway. And you could feel, you can sense that kind of what they, and even in NASA, they call it go fever. This idea that we got him. This is going to be great. Let's do it. Let's go. And nobody in that office was saying, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, and even the Kislyak call, which we, I, we were told for two and a half years, was, a, was the, the very fact of the call was a crime. Now we learn that actually now it was legit. Um, it, it's hard to argue now that the, even if you dislike Trump, even if you dislike him intensely, that he was not a victim here and wronged by a collection of anti-Republican, anti-Trump operatives in the White House and in the media. It's a hard thing to argue against. The evidence is too clear. And, you know, for those of us who are not fans of Trump, it's like I keep thinking, I want to shout at these guys, like, why are you insisting I wear the MAGA hat? It's like you're trying to put me <laughs> in a MAGA hat with all this nonsense. So my takeaway from that is this is the, what's most interesting thing is, is that we now know the difference between what, what was characterized as the conversation, do it by the book, and what the actual conversation was, which was have the right people on it. So let's talk about two pathetic figures in this. Uh, first one- Only two? You can only uh, find two? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of blame to go around here. First yeah. of all, uh, Obama obviously is uh, going to get muddied up by this. But let's first of all talk about Jim Comey. Because in this very story, in this very meeting, apparently, he says the call appears legit. Yet right. he still orders the right people to do this, even after Obama's out of office. He could have just given him lip service, get to Inauguration Day let it go because he doesn't think there's any crime here but yet he still sends his minions over there january 23rd or whatever it was to, to entrap michael flynn because there is a crime here there is a crime the crime was that the people voted for donald trump <laughs> that might really is a crime like i mean yeah. look i was not uh you know as, as you know as everybody listening the past week knows i'm not a fan of donald trump he, he won. He won the election. I mean, I remember he won it. I was, you know, I remember that day. I was there. Uh, fair and square, he won it. Um, but these are people who simply could not believe that to be the case. And notice how different that was. Um, when George W. Bush took office, that was a legitimately contested election. That, the, 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 the coin didn't land heads or tails. It landed on its side. It took a long time to count up all those, all those votes, all those ballots in, in, in Florida. Um, before we knew for sure that Bush had won, but you know when, but but notice the difference in the in the pushback against Bush. I mean, the media hated him, the Democrats hated him, everybody hated him, but there was no attempt to undermine his administration from the get go. There was only that for Trump, because he, I think, represented just he, it was offensive to them that the people had voted for 
this guy. It, it offended them, and they they and they feel, felt empowered and righteous in their desire to remove him from office, or at the very most, hobble him uh, uh, politically. It just seems. And, what, and what's so strange about all this is that we don't in America. You don't need to use the DOJ or the FBI to do that. You have a thing. It's called the midterm elections. And they're really easy, and the, the the system's already set up, and the people are already inclined to vote the opposite party in. So you, your your glide path is so obvious. You don't need to do any of this stuff, and the fact that they felt they needed to do it is just the, exactly the arrogance that Trump voters and Trump supporters point to, um, with with a lot of credibility and a lot of justification. Exactly right. And then you have Joe Biden and Rob. <laughs> There's a lot of different words to describe politicians, but is there any more knee-jerk, lazy, sloppy strategy than to accuse someone of violating the Logan Act, which has been around for 200 years, it's never been used to prosecute anyone, but it's constantly trotted out to try and argue that someone is uh, you know, on the brink of committing treason here. I remember Tom Cotton wrote an open letter, I think it was in the Post, uh, to the Iranian regime. Uh, about the nuclear deal and so forth, that was a violation of the Logan Act. So every time somebody does something where they want to uh, get someone in trouble when they really didn't do anything that they can pinpoint, they trot out the Logan Act. It's the height of political laziness. Yeah, I mean, in my imagination, when Biden says the Logan Act, the Logan Act, everybody kind of looks at each other and they kind of roll their eyes like, oh, <laughs> grandpa. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that happened, but I like to think that every time Biden, Biden's the guy in the meeting who, feels the need to like talk and say something and then basically talk over you to agree with you or restate what you said uh, and not, or nod vigorously like it's his idea. That's, that's, the, that's the Biden that I, that I cherish in my imagination anyway. Um, yeah, Logan Act is sort of like, oh, give me a break. Come on, five more minutes. We say, in Hollywood, we say five more minutes. Just spend five more minutes on a better idea here. That's like the... You know, that's the worst, most cliche version. You know, they adopt a puppy, they sell the house, the Logan Act. Come on. Has anyone benefited politically more from the lockdown than Joe Biden? I mean, the guy's in his basement. He's still stumbling all over the place. But the fact that he's not constantly on TV is actually helping him. It's amazing. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Rob. And uh, let's talk about destroying our culture, because that's clearly what some want to do. The premise, of course, is the anti-police brutality racism uh, protests going on right now get a lot of hyphens in there right uh but uh this evening at least that's the plan we'll see what the police allow and so forth but the plan is to tear down a statue in washington dc of abraham lincoln and an emancipated slave uh right. they want to tear it down because the emancipated slave uh is still on one knee but as uh people will tell you he's getting up his head is up uh, he's freed, and his future is ahead of him. And it was paid for by emancipated slaves. It was dedicated, and the keynote speaker was Frederick Douglass. So I'm pretty sure that the uh, original intent here uh, should be something that most people can get behind. But nonetheless, even Eleanor Holmes Norton, the D.C. congressional delegate, is petitioning to have the thing torn down because she doesn't know what she's talking about. But this issue has more layers now. According to a new poll, getting the opinions of liberal Americans, 58% of very liberal Americans support the notion of destroying Mount Rushmore, and 44% of just liberal Americans agree. Not to be outdone, there's now a push to say, you know what, 
maybe it's time for the Star Spangled Banner to go. We need a new national anthem. There's a story earlier in the week that a soccer club in Tulsa, like they're going to be the trendsetter, uh, is getting rid of the national anthem. Instead, they're going to play This Land is Your Land, which, of course, is a more of a collective notion. Uh, the left loves This Land is Your Land. But that would actually be a fantastic choice <laughs> compared to what others uh, want to do. In Yahoo Entertainment, the idea is to have the new national anthem be, of course, Imagine by John Lennon, which, uh, of course, uh, believes in an atheistic society, which goes right back to what we were talking about with their uh, targeting, uh, possibly, of the Jesus statues. So what exactly is the cultural goal here from these revolutionaries? Well, I think first we have to remember that Imagine, the song, contains within it uh, a line, Imagine No Possessions, Mm -hmm. uh, written by a man who's had as a possession what's probably now worth a you know 20 million dollar apartment at the dakota you know it's really easy to like i always said well, I, I i i was never lucky enough to meet john lennon who was of course you know murdered on the street but um i would like to ask him like i want you to imagine no possessions first how about you go first you imagine no place in the dakota in fact you could get rid of you can walk out right now you don't have to you know there's no law that keeps you there um which is always the classic case with every sort of, you know, utopian liberal, which is like, imagine something, imagine a wonderful world. Uh, you go first is always what they want you to do. Like, imagine if we didn't have any uh, prejudice or, or money or small businesses. You start first. There's a bunch of ironies here. There's a bunch of outrages here. And the outrages and the ironies are, 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 are connected. What offends me the most is the statue because it's um, actually a, a monument to something that we as a country should Make, build monuments to, which is um, great leadership and sacrifice and freedom. Um, that's what America's made up of, and they don't seem to understand that. Look, I don't have kids, so I always have, for me, there's always one single go-to villain for everything that happens in society, and that's parents. <laughs> like, I don't really, I don't really blame the young people and they're almost all young uh, so there's some probably some old stupid people there marching around that 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 mon- that monument claiming to, to that they should be torn down they don't know who frederick douglas was they don't know who any of those people were uh they don't i mean they don't really know what lincoln did nobody taught them nobody forced them to take an exam on it they were too busy putting helmets on their head and making sure they didn't have peanuts in the peanut butter or whatever they didn't have the kind of upbringing that included certain cliches about america that you were supposed to know even if you were going to even if you were then going to reject them you still had to know that george washington chopped down the cherry tree even if later you were to say yeah well he was no great guy it, it, all of those cultural touch points and connect, connective tissues we threw out in the 70s and 80s, we thought they were cliches. And this is what we reap. A bunch of kids who don't know that this is a, one of the good statues. This isn't a statue of Nathan Bedford Forrest or some Confederate general. This is a statue that honors and is a monument to the very things that you, they're pretending to be in favor of. It's just that they're stupid. And they're stupid because they're young people who've been raised by a lazy and decadent society, not to sound too conservative here, but that's, it's, I don't know another way to interpret it. 
Well, they're not going to be on your lawn. I can tell you that. Or at least if they, <laughs> yeah, if they right, set foot on. Right. <laughs> but here's the thing. And uh, when it comes to, you know, embracing Imagine and other things, it's obviously not going to happen, I hope. But uh, we talked about it with uh, the attitude towards the businesses in Seattle. And you see it now every time on the left. Uh, you don't like the way the healthcare system set up. Government run. Uh, you don't like the way that the fact that some people make a lot of money and others don't. We got to embrace income redistribution, socialist idea. Uh, we think that the, the climate might be changing. Marxist policies. Uh, we got to get rid of property rights. It's like the old Far Side cartoon where what to do when your horse gets hurt. You shoot it every time. No matter what the problem is, they want to throw Marxism at us, even though we know over and over and over again it doesn't work. Well, that's it's actually Marxism was designed to be that answer. Um, even in, in, the, in Das Kapital or whatever it is, he, he says it's going to happen anyway. Uh, and it is the solution. It's the natural solution. It's a natural solution, Marxism and communism. It's supposed to happen anyway. And yet people are always seem to be having to impose it. <laughs> like Marx said, oh, this is just a natural evolution. Eventually people will stop you know, having private property. And yet somehow it's always like somebody doing it at the end of a gun. Um, yeah, look, I mean, the, 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 the problem is freedom means that you can't tell other people what to do and telling other people what to do and what to think is like one of the great joys of being a busybody person. They just, we're, we're all up in each other's business. So we kind of feel like that's, uh, we spend half of our day trying to make sure that uh, other people are thinking and believing and praying and um, working and, and raising their children exactly the way we insist that they do. And we don't ever wonder why we are so offended when other people try to do the same thing to us. The, and and, this, and what's, what's even more depressing here is that the solution really, just to be super blunt, the solution to uh, not all the problems in the African-American community, but a good portion of the problems in the African-American community is in wealth creation. The solution is for wealth creation to occur in those communities, which it hasn't occurred and doesn't occur nearly at the rate it does in other ethnic groups, Asians and Latinos especially. The solution is not less private property, not more socialism, not a more sclerotic government, not more regulation. The solution is more wealth creation in that community. And we've decided those words are unacceptable. And that's you know, we're, we're throwing out the really the only cure that's lasting and trustworthy and will build a more peaceful future. And that's really sad. Craziest possible martini. So yeah. I see it. But uh, Rob, on that very ugly note, we'll call oh. it for today. But have yeah. a fantastic day. And we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll right. talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow. Almost through the week. That's good. Yes, indeed. We made it. Rob Long, contributing editor, National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop Podcast. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a kind review with five stars. And also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And please be back here on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.